Welcome to episode seven of Bored and Nerdy. My name's Christopher Munoz, and I'm here with my brother, Corey. Today, we'll be discussing The Mandalorian Season 2, which came out in October of 2020 on Disney+. Plus, and we declared that we were going to do a video about it on, uh, I believe, January 13th of 2021. So we are completely on schedule. Yeah, it's not late at all. Even though we are doing this immediately after the show came out, so no one has had a chance to see it, uh, we still need to put out a warning. We're going to be talking Season 2 of The Mandalorian, which means there will be spoilers for Season 2 and likely Season 1. You know, it's not really that we're lazy. We're just really thoughtful. We gave people a lot of time to, to watch it first. Yeah, we like to, you know, take six months to process things. And in some cases with our movies, you know, we like to wait three, ten years before we uh, do videos for those. You know, I find I like to rewatch like the same ten movies over and over again. I think we all do that. I know I'm guilty of it. Maybe it's a family thing. Chime in in the comments. Do you watch the same about ten movies? Let us know. So let's dive into episode one, The Marshal. Mandalorian ends up on Tatooine, where he runs into a small town that's been liberated by this dude wearing Boba Fett's armor, calls himself The Marshal. I definitely thought it was Boba Fett at first. I think that's what they want you to think. So I, I, I fell for it. At first, you want to despise him. But as the episode builds, you really grow to like the character. I did not fall for him being Boba Fett from the beginning of it. One of those things where he showed up on screen and just in my gut, I said, that's not Boba Fett. And if it is, I'm going to be super annoyed. There was a distinct awkwardness to the way that that guy wore the armor. And then at the very end of the episode, when we get that actual Boba Fett reveal, it was very rewarding for me. Boba Fett's on screen, and I got giddy. It was like, oh, yeah, it's real. And my wife looked at me like I was crazy because she didn't recognize the actor as being involved. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like that, that they revealed Boba Fett. And as far as like him wearing the armor awkwardly, uh, my wife mentioned that as well. My take on it was he just got eaten by the Sarlacc. Who knows? Maybe that's all robot arms. Maybe he's Mr. Scrawny robot arms now. Who knows? Who knows? But I do like that they did reveal the same the same actor, and they brought back the same actor from episode two. That was pretty sweet. Very sweet, though it did turn into a few memes on the internet with uh, making fun of how he's not quite as petite as he once was. And those people all went out to the gym and, and worked on themselves as well. Absolutely, because we know that every <laughs> single Star Wars fan is capable of the acrobatics of the prequels. I really enjoyed watching them fight the crate Dragon. Uh, actually... The sequence battling the crate dragon might be my favorite in any Star Wars of anything ever. Oh, wow. That's quite the uh, compliment for episode one. Spoilers of the of the end of it that might go toe-in-toe -toe with the Dark Trooper, but oh, the crate dragon sequence. The only thing that we've seen 
of the crate dragons in the mainstream media i guess maybe there's something in rebels i've missed because i didn't see all of rebels but in the mainstream canon is that skeleton in episode four that c-3po walks past that's like the only time we've seen it so to see a real live crate dragon doing the whole like giant tremors thing it's like if tremors and king kong had a baby I think that that crate dragon scene was wonderful, same as you, but it definitely took the show in a different direction. Because when you have the beginning of episode one here in season two, we get to return to that Mandalorian Western feel. You know, we return to Tatooine yet again because Star Wars exists exclusively on Tatooine. And the Mandalorian goes into a deserted town, right? Looks empty. You have that deliberate walk through town of, ooh, are we being watched? Is somebody going to pick a fight? And then we end up in a bar and we have a standoff of, oh, are they going to fight? And you get that super high noon feel, right? But then we end up fighting a crate dragon, which, I mean, the word dragon alone can put some images in your mind. But by the end of this episode, it's full-blown fantasy. You know, Star Wars is definitely sci-fi fantasy. It always has walked that line. It's not 100% sci-fi. There's always been those fantasy elements. We had gigantic monster fight scene, which honestly felt a lot like a video game to me, which I recall saying a lot in episode three of our podcast when we discussed uh, Mandalorian season one. I definitely have to back you up on the video game feels like a lot of my observations of various episodes was this reminds me of a video game or this could be a video game or this reminds me of Dark Forces or Jedi Knight or whatever. And I think that it's a mixture of when we were growing up, most of the Star Wars media was either in a novel or a video game. Raiding a Imperial facility or whatever, it just gives me like Dark Forces vibes. There's an argument to be made about the way that they shoot it, too, and how they do use a video game engine to, uh, to make the sets and the sceneries and stuff. So it makes you wonder if it's like maybe on a subconscious level that we recognize it as a video game because we recognize the Unreal Engine, per perhaps? We also said that a lot in season one, though. So I have to believe that somewhere in the creation process, whether it's at the director or writer level, they are treating it like an episodic uh, video game, knowing that a large portion of this show's audience grew up playing these games. I have to believe that's very intentional. A lot of fetch quests. A lot of fetch quests. So and many fetch quests and crafting quests. You know, like, do this to be able to create this. Other media thing that popped into my mind was the old Star Wars card game that we used to play, the original one. Uh, because there are cards out there that reference the crate dragon. So you have like the crate dragon howl, which was when Obi-Wan comes and rescues uh, Luke and 3PO and R2 from the Tusken Raiders in A New Hope. That's kind of the, the explanation of his yell was he was mimicking this crate dragon's noises. If I'm feeling really ambitious in editing, I'll go through and I'll put all the different crate dragon yells right here. 
You're welcome. <laughs> but then you also have crate dragons showing up in uh, popular video games like Star Wars, the Knights of the Old Republic, uh, playing a crate dragon. Uh, the pearl that they recover is usable as a lightsaber crystal. Really? And so that's interesting that we got that crystal one of my friends who's a big star wars fan that was the single detail of season two that got him giddy nice nice so hey on the subject of the tuscan raiders finding that pearl inside the crate dragon if we rewind to the whole battle you made a comment earlier about how it's kind of uh, fantasy. It's like knights versus the dragon, but kind of the Star Wars equivalent. I'd say it's even maybe like the sea monster or the kraken or something, because instead of like splashing waves and water, it's like sand. It's like slurping through the sand and stuff. Totally. But uh, one thing I thought was interesting about that whole sequence and that whole episode, really, the whole first episode, is the humanizing of the Tusken Raiders. Like, to an extent, way even more than uh, episode two. We really got in close and with the Tusken Raiders, and uh, it definitely frames them in a different light, especially when if you watch it, like, back-to-back in contrast with uh, episode four. The Tusken Raiders are, like, scary aliens, but in this episode, the Mandalorian kind of uh, is chum buddies with them. They're chum buddy super pals. They finally gained an ability to communicate. We now know that sign language is something they're totally down with and so that definitely humanizes them it really makes anakin's actions in episode two much worse there you go go and watch the mandalorian talk to these nice tuscan raiders who are talking about how hey we try to pacify this crate dragon by sacrificing are banthas and now we're going to have to go to war against it which is kind of a bummer and we all expect to die but hey are you down to help us we'll stop raiding places if you don't kill us you know they're very reasonable and then go and watch anakin slaughter the their women and children in a fit of rage and uh yeah that would be a very interesting uh back-to-back experience Tuscan Raiders, they're uh, they're deep. There's a lot going on there. Raiding small settlements, fighting crate dragons, kidnapping Jedi mothers, or um, ambushing droids. Do you think that her, her name being Shmi is like a, a shout out to Peter Pan? You know, I've never once connected that dot. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry to do that to you. Let's move on. So, uh, nope, I'm stuck there now. <laughs> Tonight is ruined. <laughs> Mr. Shmee. Wow. They end up feeding the uh, Bantha with bombs on it to the monster, which I kind of thought was the plan the whole time. No, but... no, 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 no. Bombs in it. The most obvious decision for video game players took yep. them so long in the fight scene literally as soon as it started they're burying bombs i'm sitting there just saying put in its mouth big mouth right put, put well, it in the mouth. And, well and i'm thinking like it doesn't know what a freaking bomb looks like just put it on the it's not like it's gonna be like oh my gosh it's a bomb like i don't think it will care just put it there on the sand you don't have to bury it 
I've played enough Zelda games. I know monsters will walk <laughs> over and inhale bombs. So I think we're ready for episode 10, The Passenger, right? So moving on to episode two, The Passenger, right. Right, um, right. Actually, <laughs> I think we're, we're at a crossroads here. Is it episode 10 or is it episode two? Because, you know what, I, I looked at the Wikipedia thing you sent me and it clearly says chapter 10, number in episode two. And so we, we've yeah. got some disagreements here on what it actually is so s1002 is directed by peyton reed who's the ant-man director and it stars ice spiders as a villain which is epic and awesome and the most star wars thing it was very fun to watch uh following right up after the crate dragon it's like okay guys we, we get it like you're doing great with this aliens thing maybe you know, slow down because you're not going to be able to top this. They back to back gave us giant space monsters, which really doesn't pop up that often in Star Wars, despite the opportunity. If you think about it, they did the very same thing in season one, too, by like starting out the season right away with monsters. Well, I appreciate that because one of my biggest grievances with the sequel trilogy was how human focused it was. I wanted aliens and the mandalorian season one and season two delivers i mean episode two here chapter 10 was focused on an alien some albeit humanoid frog lady and her eggs which i think is comical and i probably just offended somebody by using the word comical so i apologize i'm not using that word and that i actually am laughing at it but this episode was hugely controversial in social media do you remember that yeah i do uh, i remember hearing that basically every time an episode of one of these shows is coming out it's like stay off the internet you're gonna spoil something and couldn't help but run into articles about the insensitivity of having baby Yoda eating this lady's eggs and you know, whatever, everybody's open to feel whatever they want and post whatever they want. But as a story writer, having your little alien gizmo eating frog eggs, it's, that's just nature. That's unfortunately the way things is. And yeah, that, it's just a story element. I, I didn't see a problem with it. I remember being really underwhelmed when I watched the episode, like as far as that controversy being like, this is what the fuss was about. I think it's partly due to the uh, tragic relatability where the lady explains that it's the last of her family line. And so it's not just that the, the child is eating things he's not a vegetarian it's that we actually know that he's leading the end of her family line i think everybody was so busy being offended by it and by the like this is an insensitive eradication of a species they totally missed the foreshadowing of sith grogu i would be so excited to have Sith Grogu. Always two there are. Who do you think Kylo Ren's little apprentice is? Huh? Makes you think. He's got a little red lightsaber now and jumps around like Yoda in episode two. Yeah, no one knows what his name is yet. 
Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda. The real reason in my mind as a storyteller that they included him eating the frog eggs was to make him randomly going and eating the spider eggs and antagonizing our space monster feel natural versus why would he randomly eat this thing? He has never done anything like this. All of a sudden we have an episode where it's like, oh man, little man's growing. He's hungry and he's, he likes eggs. It reminded me of an RPG quest. The whole episode, I loved the dogfight with the X-Wings and dropping through the atmosphere and the ship getting all broken to pieces and the spider monsters absolutely rule. The alien creature going for a sauna bath in the middle of the alien planet. I don't know, that seemed a little Star Trek to me. I was like, come on, stupid alien, get back in the spaceship. What are you doing? They had to give us the proper horror movie vibe. <laughs> you know, it would have been the proper horror movie if Mando would have been like, strips down to his helmet to get in and like, <laughs> swim around with the frog monster. That's in all the fan fictions. No, we got, <laughs> we got the classic horror movie where it's, Oh no, my spaceship's broken and the power's off. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. I guess I'll get naked and take a shower. Billy, are you downstairs? You know. Like... <laughs> Very serious Rogue Squadron vibes when the rebels from earlier show up and are like, we're going to save you. And they blast the spiders. Have a nice day. And then they leave him there to die because rebels are so humane. I also recall there being some sort of rumor, confirmed, not confirmed, that uh, those guys were going to be the head of, are featured heavily in another spinoff where they were going to focus on the Rebel Alliance and uh, things like that. But I recall hearing that that one might have been scrapped. Have you heard yeah. anything about? If you're talking about the Cara Dune slash Ahsoka show. That is rumored to have been canceled or at least be on hiatus. Uh, and that was going to be focusing on Rangers of the New Republic, I believe is what it Rangers, was that sounds familiar. Now, I didn't know that uh, Ahsoka was going to be mixed in with the Cara Dune stuff. I knew that Cara Dune was um, getting sidelined. But in my understanding, Ahsoka was always meant to be its own thing. Which, hey, spoilers for later in the season. Good thing we're doing this chronologically, right? So, the next episode... Episode 1103, uh, the Harris, Harris, the Harris, Harris, uh, that episode, they go to the water planet. There's some really impressive effects work with the spaceship landing. And there's a whole, uh, visual effects breakdown on YouTube, uh, with visual effects artists react. It's really awesome. They go through basically all the, uh, all the effects work that goes into making a spaceship look real and make the water look real. And that whole episode is really a work of art, especially for, quote, TV. Pretty fun to watch Grogu have to go get babysat and get nervous that he's going to eat babies and stuff. Thankfully, that doesn't happen. Really awesome for the live action introduction of Bo-Katan. Had we done this in a smart way get Kayla to be a returning guest speaker because at the end of episode three, she was very excited about the possibilities of Bo-Katan with the dark saber introduction uh, at that little ending clip. 
So I love the sequence with the uh, with the Mandalorians and the history of the Mandalorians and the whole mask thing. Things are more gray than black and white. And I really enjoyed the way that the actors portrayed the other Mandalorians. And I really liked how it frustrated our, our Mandalorian that uh, he's part of the strict religion. Yeah, being told that he belongs basically to a cult. You're a cultist, an extremist, and we think you're weird. And he's... Uh, you're weird. Put your helmets back on. You know, it was very interesting seeing the way be challenged because in season one, it's exclusive. The way, the way. And now all of a sudden we're seeing that the Mandalorian culture is much more complicated. There are so many more different factions and layers to this history. They also go into, uh, they they go to hijack the Imperial freighter. I, I really like that sequence. I, again, very much Jedi Knight or Dark Forces vibes as they like try to take down this freighter full of stormtroopers as it tries to take off. And then the Imperials get ordered basically to scuttle the ship. Pretty epic. And it's a continuation of the Mandalorian quest chain that just rips off Mario non-stop throughout season one and season two we have your princess is in another castle <laughs> your princess is in another house go away <laughs> find the mandalorians and they're like so this lady ahsoka tano exists <laughs> and we get sent on another quest after you know doing our awesome spaceship hijacking which reinforce the stormtroopers are awesome fodder to make your characters look cool by killing masses of them. And we get another example of Moff Gideon being ruthless. You know, he wants them to wreck this has to be extremely expensive ship rather than handing over anything to Bo-Katan. Not only did we see the Razor Crest you know, going for a swim, we get to see the thing that plays its crane to get it out of the water, which totally just looks like some repurposed ATAT stuff. Oh, that made my which... day. No, when I saw that sequence, I just my my jaw was on the floor as I watched that like yeah retrofitted ATAT with the crane on it march around. That's so something I would have built out of Legos, which is just fantastic in a world setting as well, though, because. The legs kind of make sense. <laughs> I mean, in a world where things hover indefinitely, would I want it walking in this water? Well, no, I'd, I'd want something that just hovered indefinitely. But it's cool. The <laughs> rule of cool applies here. No, you need to... Part of Star Wars is you need to sell the cool vehicles and you need to sell the cool armors. That's just part of Star Wars. You, you got to have some cool new vehicles. You got to have some cool new armors. That's just how Star Wars works. I just want to know where my crane ATAT -AT Lego set is. Yeah, where is that? Or at least like one that I can build two different things out of and build the ATAT -AT and then build the crane ATAT. -AT. I guess you could buy an ATAT -AT set and buy a crane set and smash them together. Or Lego could just make 70 bucks and sell it to me. That's up to you, Lego. Ball's in your court now. So moving into episode four, episode four or episode 12, uh, 
Episode 4, <laughs> Chapter 12, The Siege. <laughs> the Siege. Uh, it's another kind of filler episode. Like, I, I definitely enjoyed the episode, and it sets up some things, and it has some background info, but it's definitely one of those filler episodes. Uh, again, very serious first-person shooter vibes. It's definitely going for kind of an action movie kind of thing. Uh, some really cool effects work. I really like that they... Uh, they mention cloning and they show like some cloning vats that the empire has going. It shows that the cloning technology didn't just die with Camino, that the empire has continued on the work and the research. And it kind of helps. I know, uh, hold your size. It kind of helps set up the Palpatine return in the sequel trilogy. And it makes me wonder they come across this recording, and the cloners are talking about uh, M count, which is obviously midichlorians, and the donor, which is definitely the child. And it makes me wonder if really was Gideon trying to become force sensitive, or was it for Thrawn? I I don't really know, uh, but it makes you wonder. I really like the the world building. And for those reasons, I would say that this episode surpasses filler. Because that cloning information, I view as significantly important to the Star Wars universe. Those creepy looking vats, which when I first saw them, my mind went to Snoke 1.0. You know, it was the beginning of the sequel trilogy's creepy, totally planned, not at all BSed, scenario where Snoke was some clone puppet for Palpatine who was clone resurrected. And so being able to see this between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens is a really good uh, stepping stone for those logical jumps, which is definitely kind of retconning situations, filling in some details so that we can accept it in the long run. But I think that if that is their intended direction, it is really valuable for us. So for that, I'm giving it a pass as a filler thing. You know, it gives us that M count and it didn't even bother to say that wonderful midichlorian word that makes every prequel person cringe a little bit. And we get to see a whole bunch of new appearances of familiar faces. We got Cara Doom back. We got Grief Karga back. We've got Dr. Pershing. We have confirmation that Gideon's alive. The Mandalorian now knows Gideon's alive. So that episode five, The Jedi, is I think what everybody was waiting for when this season was announced is for Ahsoka to make her live-action appearance. Uh, I think it was very smart of them to make the episode a lot like a samurai movie or to try to homage samurai movies. We definitely started with a heavy samurai feeling uh, with that, just the filming. Everything about the cinematography felt right. The atmosphere was perfect for an introduction. One of the criticisms a lot of super fans had about the live action appearance was that her her tendrils her leku were were shorter and i've actually seen an interview with dave filoni who's the director and i think he's in charge of the universe now in either case dave filoni being interviewed about it mentioned that they tried it with with longer leku and that they got in the way of the stunts 
and so it was a necessary evil because they wanted to do as much of the effects as possible practically because it just looks better and it's easier to shoot. And so they decided to shorten them. And so that's what that's about for all you mega fans who are concerned out there. Which personally, I wasn't bothered by, but I was also the person that was more excited about Boba Fett than was excited about Ahsoka, uh, because as a horrible Star Wars fan, I have not bothered to watch all of the Clone Wars uh, show yet. I've not seen it all either, but but my wife is a super fan of the Clone Wars shows. Yeah, so I, I don't have my super fan Ahsoka badge yet. And so I'm still a uh, simple Boba Fett fanboy. The Mandalorian finally gets to the Jedi he's been seeking for like a season and a half. And Ahsoka's basically like, oh, hey, his name's Grogu. Please stop calling him Baby Yoda now. And I'm convinced that's why they gave us the name. I don't think they had actually planned on giving him a name or that name, but they were like, you know, we really got to put a stop to this social media Baby Yoda nonsense. Or maybe it is Baby Yoda and they're trying to throw us off. Oh, there His we go. His full name is, uh, yeah, Grogu Yoda Parsidian. It did give rise to a couple of fan theories having a little bit more weight, though, now that Ahsoka confirmed that Grogu was raised in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. You've yeah. got this whole, like, ooh, it's Yoda's love child. <laughs> and so a lot of people are just adamant that that's the truth now. Grogu's force communications with Ahsoka did not confirm that, but our fans still believe it. He's just really lucky that Anakin didn't cut him in half. And if he uh, managed to survive Anakin, maybe he'll survive another rampaging emo Sith boy in his future. Other things that really stood out in Episode 5 that I think are worth talking about here... Mando kind of running into this concept of honor where we've had people mention it a lot, you know, his Mandalorian honor code, blah, blah, blah. But in this episode, we have him put up against multiple contracts. You know, we've got this magistrate lady who's saying, I'll pay you to kill the Jedi. And then the Jedi saying, hey, help me kill the magistrate. And we get to see Mando choose the one that he sees as right or most beneficial to him so he's not controlled by the money he's not controlled by a first come first serve so that is interesting that we're getting to develop more of where his moral lines are he wants to rescue people that are tied up and tortured he doesn't like seeing a suppressed and oppressed town he's willing to get his hands dirty for his own benefit not just in survival means uh, we also get to properly see how badass uh, beskar is with it being able to deflect lightsabers yes that was awesome it's totally the vibranium of star wars i really loved the whole like samurai sword fight uh on a uh, on the plank or whatever on the uh on the path across the water the whole lightsaber versus uh baskar it just fits it was just very star wars and just felt right so as soon as you saw that woman with the spear did you instantly say mando's gonna get that 
and it's going to be his weapon because that's where my mind went yeah i mean my mind definitely went to like you know that's a boss weapon that that you can win if you defeat her it's his quest reward yeah right. my mind went even further though was oh beskar spear that can deflect lightsabers he's going to use that to defeat gideon in the dark saber literally instantly was like that's what's going to happen like this magistrate is holding her own against some dual wielding properly trained jedi and holding her own admittedly Ahsoka didn't want to kill her. She's trying to get this woman to talk to her. So it's a disarming fight, which is always harder. You know, if you have a weapon that can instantly plop somebody's head off, you have to be kind of careful when they're just fighting you with a stick. If my wife was here, she would have said that uh, Ahsoka would have taken offense to being referred to as a Jedi. Of course she would have been uh, offended. So basically this whole episode, uh, it's a really cool samurai movie. It, it all is basically for Ahsoka to go, no, I'm not going to train the, the baby Yoda. Take the baby Yoda to this force Wi-Fi hotspot on some kind of force temple to amplify his cry for help. And maybe a Jedi out there might come by. And the Mandalorian's like, okie dokie, thank you. Off to my next mission. As his princess is in another castle. <laughs> Your princess is in another house. <laughs> 100%. So then the next episode is The Tragedy. And I remember seeing that text come up on the screen and being like, oh, no. So would you say the tragedy is the kidnapping of the child or the Razor Quest being totally leveled? Razor Crest. Yeah, it broke my heart. It, it was painful to see. So in this episode, the Mandalorian brings Baby Yoda to the Force Wi-Fi hotspot so that he can sit there and use the Force and get a signal boost. I'm really entertained that you're calling it the Wi-Fi hotspot, though, because my notes when I was kind of trying to remember these episodes, because I watched <laughs> it, you know, six months ago, I called it um, the Force GPS trance. <laughs> totally. Yeah, he's just going there being like, find your lost Grogu. <laughs> yeah, it, it works, on, again, on a Star Wars kind of video game level. Uh, it really reminds me of something that would be in a game. Interesting, just the thought that there could be some kind of force beacons out there. I, I don't know, it was kind of weird. Basically, the whole episode ends up being a really cool firefight where the baby is sitting there like a defend the hostage kind of first-person shooter level or whatever, an escort mission. It's like, defend the child while stormtroopers rain in and... We get to see the, the Slave One and Boba Fett comes back, like properly introduced. Boba Fett comes back all all back in his glory with some kind of black clothes underneath his armor. The perfect way to Star Wars a character back so that you can have like a new action figure and you can know if your action figure is like the Boba Fett or resurrected Boba Fett. The video game for me, it was the wave battles from Battlefront. Okay, yeah, yeah, 100%. Next wave's coming. Then the next wave. And Boba Fett showing up with the black clothes. You know, that's the cloak he was wearing before. He just threw the armor on over it. Dude didn't bother to undress and put on his armor nice and pretty. He's like, oh, this billowy cloak? No, no, no. It's going to fit right under this. Yeah, and Hasbro knew what they were doing. Oh, yeah. He looked cool. Dude knew how to kill people. 
in the most Star Wars satisfying way possible. He was moving weird and it somehow resulted in blasts from his knee or ooh, this other weapon. And oh yeah, I've got this weapon too. And that's one thing that I've really enjoyed about the way that they're showing Mandalorians in season one and season two is that these guys are versatile. They know how to kick ass with a variety of tools. Hey, in the original trilogy, Darth Vader hit Luke with a box. Which was moving so fast. (laughs) I did have two kind of issues with this episode. Issues? Even though overall, it was a very satisfying episode. You just thought there should be a signal indicator on the rock of like how much his force signals being boosted. Well, you know, I do play enough video games that I did feel I needed that loading bar to know how many more waves were coming. But <laughs> or, uh, or it could be like redder and it could go greener as the signal's getting like better. Okay, there you go. I need how many bars it has. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm talking from a plot level. Uh, I thought that we had one of the dumbest plot device moments ever with put down your dangerous jetpack. It's your most dangerous tool you have. I know what that thing can do. Okay, Boba Fett, why are you making the guy take his jetpack off, but letting him hold on to his blasters and stuff like that? The jetpack concerns you. You can clearly see it doesn't have a rocket on it. It's so when the dark troopers drop out of the sky and make us all shit our pants that... We don't just go, oh, yeah, fly up there and get Grogu back. Which is why I'm calling it the dumbest plot device ever. As soon as he takes that jetpack off, you go, yep, stuff's going to happen right now. I love the Dark Troopers. They made oh, my yeah, day. The dark Troopers were cool, and they were menacing, and that was totally awesome. But I couldn't get over how annoyed I was with them making him take the jetpack off for such a shitty reason and then uh the other part that kind of bothered me i'm ultimately okay with it but star wars is supposed to be some huge universe thing right and one of the people's common grievances uh, now that we've had the sequel trilogy is that we make this universe feel small by making it about the skywalkers and so we've got the prequels, this, the original trilogy, and the sequels all revolving around the Skywalker story and everything kind of being zoomed in. Why is all of the important action in the universe always taking place in the same place? And we have that in The Mandalorian now, too, where Mando goes to some remote planet that no one's ever heard of before. Boba Fett's able to follow him directly there. Okay. And then we also have the fact that the people that repaired uh, the Razor Crest, we get that one little holographic whatever scene. We know that Gideon's been tracking the Mandalorian, but he's able to show up exactly at the right time to nuke the Razor Crest and abduct the kid as soon as the Force Shield disappears. There's just too much cosmic perfect timing going on in this episode. Well, see, G- Gideon's been having those uh, those Force force power those uh uh capital m injections and he's like i sense a jedi in distress <laughs> let's go to the force wi-fi router and and see who's there i want to see the robot chicken episode where it's just a set camera watching the force wi-fi beacon and just all the different jedis stopping by and going like 
there's nobody here. <laughs> like, where'd you go? <laughs> Getting back in their ship and shaking their fist and flying away. And then, like, day-night cycle and another ship comes by and... Damn it. <laughs> so, we lost the child. Moff Gideon gets away, flies away in his uh, fancy Star Destroyer ship. Then the next episode is where Mayfield is the star of the episode. Where, for, for this fetch quest reason we have to get mayfield who's fresh out of prison and use him to infiltrate an imperial facility to try to find uh the child's whereabouts basically it's actually pretty awesome i really like how they fleshed out the mayfield character really well they they did a better job i feel of showing a stormtrooper uh behind the armor than uh finn in the sequel trilogy I would agree with that, and it wasn't even a after he got out of jail. They flat out broke him out of jail, which kind of continues my episode four thing of, oh, we need to get the familiar faces back on screen. But I feel like Mayfeld deserved to be in that episode in that because they gave that imperial mind and fleshed out his history as a previous imperial it added so much more to the universe it added so much more to this series and he has a good back and forth with the mandalorian as well and it was really cool to see him bringing the mandalorian's beliefs into question by like does it have to be that mask can it can it be any mask like can you just cover your face like uh it, it rose some good questions and it's kind of like come on mandalorian guy like think for yourself a little that's part of being in a cult. Which is also a wonderful callback to meeting Bo-Katan with finding out that he's in a cult. You know, it's it reminds us that that's kind of a big part of season two was Mando confronting his creed. It really does build up throughout the season that Mando is struggling with the concept of how okay am I with taking my helmet off now that I'm not completely convinced that it's the way. So the episode's a lot of fun. We get to see them break into an Imperial facility. We get some pretty tense moments, a lot of cool character building. One of my favorite parts was just watching the slave one and the escape sequence and hover around and, you know, action figures hanging out on the back of it, blasting stuff and uh, dropping seismic charges. I loved being able to see inside the Slave One in this. Yeah, season. for sure. Absolutely. I think that might be my season two highlight is just getting inside the Slave One. It was cool to see. And there's actually behind the scenes on that set. It's pretty, pretty impressive. Well, there's that really unsettling scene where you get to see Grogu in handcuffs throwing uh, stormtroopers around. Because I couldn't remember if they gave it to us at the very end of this one. Because that was a moment to finish on. I can't recall either. I don't think it was at the end of the episode. But uh, definitely the the next episode is when they, they get to uh, Gideon's cruiser and they infiltrate it and they, they fight the dark troopers. And and I, I can't remember. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is at the end of the previous one or it's at the beginning of this one. But they uh, they show us where Grogu is and he's imprisoned. And he's like flinging stormtroopers on, on against the walls and stuff, uh, foreshadowing his Sith apprentice future. The end of episode seven, I just uh, cheated and opened it and fast forwarded, is when Mando does his little hologram call to Gideon and says, 
you know, the taken lines of you have something that I want and I'm coming after you. I have a specific set of skills. And so it's the it ends with the threat and Mayfeld going free, which is, of course, setting up the Mayfeld show, the Mayfeld show, which yeah. the actor for Mayfeld, I do believe, is the one that's on record before the Mandalorian uh, as not being a Star Wars fan. And so that would be interesting if he totally. uh, got his own show. Yeah, yeah. I think they should just call it like uh, maybe maybe star hopping with Mayfeld. Or I think or that it would the be galaxy as Mayfeld. It would be the late night with Mayfeld, and it would be Star Wars's Brack show. Or or they could do like a Cheers thing, and he could be a bartender. No, I could see his character being a really good bartender. I could see him being a bartender. What else? Yeah, and it's like Han Solo, and and there's a laugh track. I can totally picture it. And then when somebody doesn't tip him enough, his little robot arm backpack shoots him. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I'd say that this episode, we got to see more of Mando's struggle, and that's its defense from being filler. Uh, We get to see him take his helmet off and how just completely uncomfortable he is with it. So, you know, wonderful acting opportunities for an actor that we know is on, you know, social media gossip channels of not being happy with his role as Mandalorian because he has to hide his pretty face. And so we get to see him do some genuine acting with his facial expressions. Mayfeld as well joins him in on it. You know, that little cantina scene is powerful. Yes, we have the video game side quest, progress your main story, filler feel to it. We do get some of the, I think, stronger acting in season two. So in uh, episode 16, The Rescue, they go to uh, Moff Gideon's cruiser. So the the child's in jail there, and there's dark troopers everywhere. Serious Dark Forces vibes, mostly because of the dark troopers. So this episode is your classic video game team-up. You know, you've got all of the side characters coming together, and you've got your assemble your squad moment. And so it's the Mandalorian with all of his ladies, right? He's got this crew of ladies on the Slave One. Boba Fett's like, hey, I'm the driver. We even get to see Boba Fett kind of clash with the other Mandalorians. And so, you know, some fun tension there. But the Slave One goes to Gideon's cruiser, and we get to watch, yet again, a really fun Invade the Imperial Stronghold, which by the end of Season 2, I gotta wonder, how defeated is this Empire? At the end of Return of the Jedi, the Empire's defeated, it's vanquished. And then we get into the sequels, and it's, oh, what Rebel Alliance leadership? No, 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 no. First Order, Rebel Alliance didn't do anything. And so in The Mandalorian, we're kind of seeing how poorly the Alliance handled everything. But in this episode especially, the Empire is still functioning as an Empire, just without an Emperor. We get to see them struggle. You know, those dark troopers are terrifying and we get to see their plans come into uh, fruition. We get to see that Beskar spear be useful. We get to see Mando do the brave things. We get to properly fear those dark troopers, which really builds up to that final scene. What I'm going to call the Rogue One tribute. 
And so as we're behind that wall, waiting to see how screwed our heroes are, even though they just pulled off the title of the episode, you know, they did rescue Grogu, just as the episode promised they would. We get to see an X-Wing. And then we get to see a figure. We get to see a gloved hand. We get to see a green lightsaber. We get to see Luke Skywalker. Uh, people had been speculating for a long time what kind of uh, cameo we were going to get at the end, who was going to show up. We knew that we had Ahsoka, and so some people were like, ooh, is Ahsoka going to show up and help again? So the whole Moff Gideon versus uh, Mandalorian fight was, was really epic. I really enjoyed, again, Vascar like Pike versus uh, a lightsaber. Darksaber just looks freaking sweet. Re really enjoyed that, and uh, the way the Moff Gideon's kind of like poking the issue by saying, oh, it's yours now. And Focus Hand's like, ah, crap, he's right. It is his lightsaber, and I don't want to fight him for it. And that whole uh, setting up things for the future, setting up threads for the future. The whole uh, uh, Luke Skywalker showing up, uh, that was, like you're saying, absolutely uh, breathtaking. Uh, I tried to avoid all information about it. Uh, about the show from episode to episode, so it was a real surprise that it was Luke. I at first thought it could be just pretty much any Jedi. Maybe they were introducing a new character or something. I have mixed feelings about the CG that they chose to use to to make Luke come back. Uh, it definitely worked. It definitely worked, and it had the effect they wanted, so I guess bravo. Um, but I think that they should have just recast him with a nobody. Like, they should have found somebody to just... Uh, be cast and of course there's a big push from the fans to cast sebastian stan as luke in the future and rumor has it that's going to happen i could see them have having done that for this shot or for the sequence i mean but they probably didn't just because they were probably also working on the falcon and the winter soldier show at the same time and so i could see them not wanting to bother with his availability I would say, if anything, it would be not wanting to bother with having to iron out a contract. Yeah, for sure. But there has been a push for that to happen, so we'll see if that happens. There's actually a rumor Luke Skywalker is going to get set up more in Mandalorian Season 3 at, at the end of it, uh, because they're going to do a Luke Skywalker show in the future. And the ru rumor has it, and this is just rumor, that they are working to sign Mark Hamill and Sebastian Stan on. Because the idea would be to fill in Luke's missing years, and they'll probably do some kind of flashbacks thing, where he's like to younger Luke and then to older Luke. And I could see that working. I, I think it's kind of necessary, especially if their goal is to legitimize the sequel trilogy better. There's also rumors that they're planning to just redo the sequel trilogy, but I don't think that will ever happen. Yeah, and getting Luke in his own thing with Mark Hamill, at least involved, has a lot of weight to it as a rumor. Because yes, we got some weird Luke CG faceover on the actor that they pulled in, but it was actually Mark Hamill reading the Luke Skywalker lines in that episode. Totally. And so that's at least that made me much more comfortable with it, where we had, yes, the awkward de-aging thing going on with their, you know, 3D faces, but it was Mark Hamill. 
So as far as other spinoff shows, we mentioned earlier that uh, the Ahsoka slash Cara Dune show is supposedly on hiatus, maybe canceled. Obi-Wan, the series went back for rewrites uh, a while back because uh, they determined it was too similar to Mandalorian season one at the time. But that is on track now and is supposed to be uh, being shot right now. I don't really know too much about the Obi-Wan show other than the whole goal. It's kind of like with Rogue One. The whole goal was to fill in that plot hole for like how you destroy the Death Star with one missile. The Obi-Wan show, the whole goal is to fill in the plot hole of how do you age a man four decades in one. Uh, the one thing I know about the Obi-Wan show is that they signed on the prequel actor for Owen Lars. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so that's kind of cool. Maybe it'll be like a Men in Black thing, and it's Obi-Wan and Luke on, like, shenanigans. And at the end of the day, he's like, you don't remember anything that happened today, and drops him off at home. All right. It's, it's a real Simpsons formula. It just resets every every episode. But they've also got Hayden Christensen on board for the Obi-Wan yeah. show. And so are we going to get some weird Obi-Wan goes off planet and with vader during his jedi purging or is it gonna, it's gonna be like obi-wan sitting in his hut reminiscing yeah yeah prequel <laughs> and flashbacks. So it's just gonna be prequel clone wars flashbacks and like weird force communications with vader first time first time it's gonna be obi-wan going crazy in his hut <laughs> you know <laughs> oh well maybe that's how you age a man four decades in one i i'd never heard that ahsoka and Cara Dune were going to be in the same show, so it's interesting that you've said it several times now. That that rumor's new to me. And so Ahsoka is, at least as of the last, like, Lucasfilm, Star Wars, whatever, projection here are all of our shows. The Ahsoka one is still front and center, and from my understanding, it's going to be completely focused on that uh, Admiral Thrawn stuff, where we're going to go and see if uh ezra and all that are part of this world now see uh obi-wan's getting made and obi-wan's gonna come out to fill in a bit of space between uh episode three and four supposedly they're making a solo sequel a, a direct to disney plus kind of solo series that will set up uh crime syndicates like uh, the character of Darth Maul, that he's still around, established that. Supposedly, Kira's going to come back. I heard a rumor that uh, the actress that plays Kira uh, signed a contract to be back as part of this series. And the rumor is is that they're going to set up the character of Mara Jade, who works for, for crime syndicates, who's kind of a, a bounty hunter, an underworld character, who later becomes Luke Skywalker's girlfriend. Supposedly, that's going to be a whole show to set up those those threads so that when the Luke Skywalker show comes around, uh, it can really uh, expand the universe and fill in the gaps for Luke. I think it sounds like a really good plan. I mean, Rangers of the New Republic has already been canceled or, or is at least supposedly canceled. So we'll see how many of these shows end up really happening. Fingers crossed. We totally skipped over the uh, post credit scene of the Boba Fett show. That's coming out too. That's going to be a whole other whole other show. And I could totally see the Boba Fett show as being a great way to set up uh, crime syndicates as well. I want 
other bounty hunters that we know and love to show up in the Boba Fett one. I want Bosk. I want IG-88. I want Dangar. I want Forlum. <laughs> I want Zuckus. You know, I want all of them. <laughs> give, give me my known bounty hunters and I'll be happy. Uh, on the note of that uh, Boba Fett one, that was actually more controversy with the Mandalorian fan base where people are really unsure about the fate of our beloved Mandalorian franchise when they're plugging Boba Fett at the end of season two instead of Mandalorian season three. And so a lot of people are are questioning the fate of our beloved Mando now that the child's out of his hands. The rumor is is that season three of Mandalorian is going to be mostly setting up the spinoff shows and the rumor is is that the Mandalorian character will die by the end of season three. Well, he kind of needs to dun, dun, dun. because of the whole, oh, you can only win the Darksaber in combat. They blatantly set up that Bo-Katan's going to want to kick that guy's ass or at least benefit from him losing. Yeah, they definitely set up for more. So I'm excited to see what we get. Uh we're just finally at a time when they can film Star Wars for TV, and I think it's the perfect medium for it. Uh, it's based on uh, serials, action serials, so so why not? Like, it works so well. Uh, it does come off a bit like a video game, as we said before. Uh, but overall, I was really happy with the season, and it makes me look forward to whatever the heck they do in the in the Star Wars cinematic universe. I'm just happy to have more Star Wars. And the whole sequence where uh, where Grogu is being given over to Luke Skywalker and the Mandalorian takes his helmet off and is all like tears and crying. I mean, it was all so well done and uh, really gives you the feels. And like you said, Luke being back just kind of uh, tugs on your nostalgia. And it was like the, the perfect recipe for a send off uh, for the show. I think it would have been a fitting end for the Mandalorian show. But, you know, they've already said that season three is happening, so. Uh, I did have one issue with Mando's goodbye to Grogu. He didn't give him his number. He didn't give him his number. No, he didn't give him the ball from the Razor. Oh, crown. yeah, yeah, I agree. No, I totally agree. I thought that, too. Took like, his oh, helmet the... off, like, cried on him and everything. Super cute. Like, he didn't even hesitate to take that helmet off. He, yeah. he looks comfortable. He's emotionally involved here. Pedro Pascal's like, yes, finally, I can breathe. But yeah, I really wanted Mando to hand the ball to Grogu as some like, remember me, little guy? See, it's just showing his evolution as a parent because he's like, oh, no, you'll choke on this. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> it looks too much like an egg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, you'll you'll eat this. I'm sorry. Like your Jedi training will end here. Thanks so much for listening today while we covered Mandalorian Season 2. Sorry again, it's been so long between episodes here. I, I recently moved house and been really busy. I didn't count on it becoming six months late, though. So thank you, anybody who stuck around. Hopefully it was worth the wait. I stuck around. I was ready the whole time. It's totally his fault. But hey, if if you would like to uh, hear more about what Bored Nerdy have to say, make sure that you like and subscribe to... Well, whatever it is you listen to podcasts on, you can find us out there, and we'd appreciate you sticking around and listening to us. We need an audience, and that's you. Next time on Bored and Nerdy, we'll revisit the solo movie. 
we'll be discussing, was it really such a bad Star Wars entry? Pros and cons to it. Just basically uh, dusting it off after, how many years did that come out? Like Three years ago. Dusting it off after three years. We hope you're a little less bored and a little more nerdy.